presented by the American Beverage Association. Hey, good morning, Playbookers. I'm Raghun It's Monday. Today's big question, how should Democrats discuss inflation? It's your Politico Playbook Daily Briefing. Democratic strategists have split in two over how to discuss inflation. One camp tends to blame the media for focusing too much on the issue at the expense of positive economic news, such as low unemployment. This group brings up statistics buried beneath the headlines that suggest inflation isn't all that bad. Simon Rosenberg of NDN had this to say recently, quote, some context on inflation. It is high, but wages, stocks, home prices are also way up. People who are really feeling it are those who use a lot of gas. For most everything else, it's a modest 2 to 3% net increase. Net grocery bill has gone from $100 to $102.80. But privately, more and more Democrats see inflation in far more dire terms, and not just for their prospects in elections this year. One top progressive sounded the alarm over the weekend on a widely read off-the-record email list. The author gave us permission to quote from their missive, Danger, inflation is a third rail, which was bouncing around lefty circles on Sunday night. A couple of things stood out to us. One, some progressives now see inflation as an accelerant for both fiscal conservatism and authoritarianism. The former is undoubtedly true. Inflation concerns have already killed Biden's social welfare proposal and pushed him to embrace deficit reduction. But our anonymous progressive warns of something darker, quote, obviously inflation does not always lead to authoritarianism, but when it is a feature of the political environment, it often compounds the weakness of regimes already under stress. In that environment, the appeal of a strong leader who can just fix it becomes considerably more appealing both to the population and leading business interests. Two, Inflation is a psychological trauma for many Americans that financial elites don't understand. Quote, I've become very concerned that most of us are not appreciating how terrifying rising prices are for most Americans. If you haven't lived through an extended inflationary episode, and if you are reading this from the vantage point of personal financial security, it will be very difficult for you to comprehend how most Americans are experiencing rising prices now. Unlike nearly every other issue which can be ignored by most Americans in their daily lives, inflation insists on voters' attention, and not just when they go to the gas station to discover gas prices are higher again. The financially stressed have a kind of mental overhead that those who are not financially stressed don't. Constant mental checkbook balancing, constant recognition that buying this means not having that, and doubts about having your ability to provide for those you care most about. There's enormous literature connecting financial stress with mental illness, suicide, and poor health outcomes. To a great extent, it is the psychological mechanism driving debts of despair. Given the stakes, it's perhaps surprising that Democrats aren't talking about inflation more. But new data from Quorum, which scoured public comments and tabulated how much each lawmaker mentioned inflation between January 1st and April 13th, shows a major divide between the two parties. The 10 lawmakers who talk about inflation the most are all Republicans. Not surprisingly, four of the top 10 are in the GOP's congressional leadership. Republican Conference Chair Lee Stefanik, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, RSCC Chair Rick Scott, and NRCC Chair Tom Emmer. Most vulnerable Democrats don't talk about inflation, according to the quorum data. Nine of the top 10 Democrats who mention it the most are in safe races, not up for re-election, or are retiring. The top three are Senator Elizabeth Warren and Representatives Pramila Jayapal and Don Beyer. But there's one exception. The number four spot on the Dems' top inflation talkers list goes to Representative Sharice Davids, whose race is considered a toss-up. Does she know something her fellow Democrats don't? 
Politico's Burgess Everett has an exclusive in today's playbook on a gargantuan new ad buy from the Senate Leadership Fund. The Mitch McConnell-aligned GOP Super PAC is booking, quote, $141 million in fall advertisements to help turn the Senate red. The group is reserving eight-figure ad flights starting in September. A quick rundown of where that money's going. A couple highlights from where that money is going. $37 million in Georgia to go up against Senator Raphael Warnock. $27 million in North Carolina to hold the seat being vacated by Richard Burr. $24 million in Pennsylvania to hold the seat vacated by Pat Toomey. One more that stood out to me, $7.4 million in Alaska to, as Burgess writes, quote, protect incumbent Lisa Murkowski from a Donald Trump-inspired primary challenge. One place that money isn't going? New Hampshire, where Senator Maggie Hassan, a Democrat, is running for re-election. Here's what's up in Washington today, starting with the White House. At 10.15 a.m. Eastern, President Joe Biden and First Lady Jill Biden will deliver remarks for the 2022 White House Easter education role with Vice President Kamala Harris and Doug Emhoff also in attendance. Here's what's on the Vice President's calendar. At 12.05, Harris and Emhoff will depart D.C. to head to Vandenberg Space Force Base in California. There she'll receive a briefing on the U.S. Space Force and U.S. Space Command. She'll meet with service members and their families and deliver remarks at 8.15. At 8.55, Harris and Emhoff will depart Vandenberg Space Force Base to head to Los Angeles. And at 11.10 Eastern, Harris will deliver remarks at a DNC fundraiser. Press Secretary Jensaki will brief at 4 p.m. The Senate and the House are out today. All right, for more news on what's breaking in D.C. right now, subscribe to the Playbook newsletter. That's at politico.com playbook. Our music is composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. I'm Rogu Monobolin. Have a good week. We'll see you first thing tomorrow morning. America's beverage companies are working together to reduce plastic waste in our environment. They're carefully designing their bottles to be 100% recyclable, so every bottle can become a new one. Please help America's beverage companies get every bottle back. Learn more at everybottleback.org.